0: All right, things are uh, getting a little, uh, shall we say, uh, a little interesting as we as we come into twenty twenty four. Because now the question becomes, when is this going to happen? GS Plumbing Talk Line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is seven one three zero seven. And I'm streaming live on the W O R D Facebook page. Joining me now from Epic Times is Nan Su. He is the he's the guy that looks at all things happening with China. Good morning, sir. Happy New Year.
1: Oh, Happy New Year, Bill. Uh, thank you for having me again on your program.
0: Yes, sir. Um, well, the Chinese are floating balloons over Taiwan now. Not just one, but like, is it four or five?
1: Well, in the past month the total 17, and the highest record was made on the January the second, right after New Year. Total four balloons flying above Taiwan. Three of them actually from the east, uh, from the uh, from the west to the east, crossing the entire island, and and also they made a stop. All three of them made a stop on a key a uh, uh, sensitive military air uh, air uh military air base uh, that's called Kai Xie, uh, uh air base and also another one the fourth one uh flying close to Keelong port that's the uh that's the port um uh, uh, that carry most of the uh, exports to Japan. So it really makes the stand of the communist regime leaders in Beijing.
0: Right. Is this a, is this a way to try to uh, influence the election and to isolate them at the same time?
1: Uh, yeah. Uh, Taiwan's election is going to be held on the 13th, which is uh, it's, what, about eight days uh, away. Yeah. So they are making the statement, you know, we can do all these things here, and then nobody can stop us. And uh, U.S. military, it's going, it's going to do nothing. Uh, that's kind of like a statement they try to make.
0: Well, the the, uh, the the other thing here's the other question I have now. I know that we're saying we've had a lot of guys saying that they don't expect it that annexation may be as late as 2027 uh but now g is getting out there talking about it's not a question of if it's a question of when do you think they would want to do this when uh while, while biden is still in office
1: well we don't know the timing uh but uh uh Communist leader Xi Jinping actually made a New Year's statement. Uh, you know, the New Year's speech, a uh, uh, heavy part is, uh, you know, they want to uh, unite, uh, reunite Taiwan. I mean, it's called Reunite Taiwan, but uh, I don't know what what where the reunite comes from, but, but that's what everybody <laughs> says. That, you know, Taiwan is never a part, has never been a part of a People's Republic of China, never in the entire history. I mean, the Chinese Communist regime only has established the uh, People's Republic of, of China since 1949. But, you know, uh, Japan, uh, uh, Taiwan has been part of Japan since 1895. Uh, Qing Dynasty, after Qing Dynasty lost the sino Japanese war in 1895, they gave Japan away to, uh, they gave Taiwan to Japan. And in 1895, uh, uh, by a Simonosaki Sakai uh, agreement, now uh, Japan gave uh, gave up its sovereignty on Taiwan at the end of World War II. Now, from from uh, in from 1945 to 1954, uh, uh, that nine years. Uh, based on the uh, executive order from uh, President Truman, you know US, U.S. military was the number one occupied power of Japan. And now in 1951, uh, there was a San Francisco treaty signed. That was the peace treaty at the end of the World War II between 48 winning nations and Japan. Now, uh, so in that treaty, Japan gave up its sovereignty of Taiwan, but didn't say you know who this sovereignty will be given to. So, right. and that, and between 1951 and 1954, uh, President Truman repeat, repeatedly spoke that Taiwan's sovereignty was undecided. Basically, you know, it's more or less similar to a U.S. territory at that point. And until 1954, uh, the United States government signed. Uh, Security treaty with Taiwan and give that basically is to recognize Taiwan's government had sovereignty of Taiwan. So you can see, I mean, from the the sovereignty of Taiwan has been passed from uh, from you know uh, Qing dynasty to Japan to uh, to to U.S. government and to the government in Taiwan, and you know it, People's Republic of China has never been part of it.
0: Right, um, is how strategic is Australia and Japan to China being able to do something with Taiwan? I mean, there's a lot of people. That th- I, I've read some people think that Japan would be the secret, secret weapon against something like that. Are, you got any thoughts on that one?
1: Well, uh, if, well, the the key issue here is not Taiwan itself. Taiwan is very important for semiconductor industry. But, however, Taiwan's geographical location is most important because it, it Taiwan is a little, like a little cap, you know, at the northern end of, uh, of South China Sea. And South China Sea is like a little corridor running north and south. Right. So Taiwan is like a little cap, and the northern end of that corridor, it can keep open or close of that corridor. And uh, you have like uh, uh, every year you have about 10 trillion total international trade and close to 40 percent of the 10 trillion need to go through uh, South China Sea. And most importantly, uh, if uh, they keep they, they actually take over Taiwan, they will close the cap uh, the, of the corridor then China will be able to choke the economic lifeline of Japan and South Korea. I mean, Japan is the world's third largest economy, the most important ally of the United States in the region. And so, you know, uh, if if, if uh, Beijing's leader had, had its hand to control the, the South China Sea, then, you know, Japan will uh, Japan's economy will be in big, big trouble. That's why the prime ministers of Japan, several several of them actually repeatedly spoke if Taiwan is in trouble, then so is Japan. So that's on the northern side. On the southern side, if China takes over control of the uh, 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 South China Sea, then, you know if they have a dominant control i i, I don't think they can t- take the full control because we still have philippines uh, as a the, you know close ally of right. uh, united states and that's why they, they they you know the chinese military has been conducting the provocative behavior uh, near philippines so but however if they take over control of taiwan they will have a kind of a dominant control of south china sea even China has that capacity that nobody can stop China from moving further south to make a threat to Australia.
0: Yeah, I've been reading about how everybody is trying to bolster their military now, and I think we're trying to send some munitions way. to, but I mean, both Australia and Japan are within their, their missile range, so yeah. Interesting, it's an interesting setup, and uh, it seems like they're getting sort of set to me. Um, you can find Nan Su's work at Epic Times. Uh, he is the one that uh, he, he looks at all manner of things of China as, as as it pertains to their government, the way they do things, and it's uh, he is a a very good resource if the, if you have questions about that. Like I said, Happy New Year to you, sir. I'll be talking to you about next week, and uh, thanks for joining me this morning.
1: Oh, thank you for having me, Bill.
0: Epic Times, Nan Su. When we get back. When we get back, I want to know what it is I'm supposed to be believing about these, uh, these immigrants. Because some of this stuff just doesn't make sense to me when I think about this. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Amber in Spartanburg. Yes, ma'am. What can I do for you?
2: Hi, Bill. How are you?
0: I'm good. Happy New Year.
2: Happy New Year, ma'am. Um, so I was just giving a quick call. I've been listening to the station. Uh, I moved from New York to South Carolina a couple of years ago.
0: All right. Welcome to season. America.
2: Yeah. yeah. Hey, <laughs> Um, I was thinking it'd be cheaper, but you know how that goes. So anyway, I want, I called because you just had a gentleman on that was discussing foreign relations. And in 2006, I went to China on a class trip from New York. There were 19 of us that went. At that time, North Korea wanted to test nuclear weapons. Right. And we were over there, right? So now we're panicking. We're like, no, tell them, no, we're here. We don't want to be taken in. You know, this is a problem. (laughs) Like, we're in trouble, you know. And they basically, this is how it went down. On in China, on the TVs, they translate to English. Okay, most of when we were in school, we lived at a college. It was called. It translated to uh, English. It's called the Normal University, which is weird, but whatever. Okay. It's called Shen... I think it's Shenyang. I can't pronounce it quite right. It was the the region we were in? So we're in there and we're watching this on TV, and one of the people that had gone with me you know at this point 2006 it's not too far from the towers he was ex-military we were discussing all this so we're watching the tv we're discussing politics right like all the conspiracy theory blah 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 next thing we know there's an alert that goes off and says about north korea wanting to test and how china has an agreement with north and south korea and japan that if the united states ever goes after any of them, China, Japan, North or South Korea, mm-hmm. with a nuclear weapon, China has a separate agreement that they will actually defend North and South Korea and Japan. Now, we thought this was a mistranslation because obviously when we were over there and we took a boat, you can see everybody in the water defending where the old carousel, you know, the carousel, uh, the wheel is and everything that's broken down forever. Um, They actually have children to adults in black sitting in the water and all across their border. And China said, you know, we don't go any closer to the border. This is our restriction. But at least you guys can see North Korea, right?
0: Right. So
2: the thing comes on the TV. So we have translators and we said, I understand. They said, you don't understand what the United States did to Japan was devastating. And we will never allow this to happen again the majority of the people that live in China that we dealt with in that region are still very angry that we would take such an extreme. So they now have a contract that if the United States decides to go extreme, that they will defend themselves and their their surrounding people. So I thought somebody knew this, but as everything is going on, all this information is coming out, this has not been discussed. And I'm just wondering, with all the information we have and all the connections we have and all the politics, is this a hush thing? Is this just something that nobody's supposed to know did we accidentally find something we shouldn't you know what I mean don't know so I'd like you to maybe look into it find out about it
0: well uh, I I don't know the details I, I don't know the details of this I, I can tell you that I served a little bit of time in the military myself and I was in military intelligence and there's the public side and there's the private side and right. since uh it wouldn't surprise me although uh given the capitalistic bent on South Korea and Japan the idea that they would have to be defended against China, by China against the United States yeah. i mean we've right. got a lot of troops in 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 South Korea i, I, know. Mean, we're, I we're, know we're 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 one of the things holding the north korean's back so um you know, China says a lot of things. I mean, go look at their latest map. They can, they took over on their map. They've taken over parts of India and all this other stuff. You never can tell what they're going to say. That might be propaganda. That might be fact. I don't know. And I. Uh, and that's
2: the hard part. You know, to be in China for thirty days and have this going on. It was. We went there. I went there in, in the beginning. It was June to July of 2006. Right. And like right. I said, they translated very clearly you do not understand how we feel. But we had to do a study from the college and go around and ask them, How do you feel about America? What are you, you, know, like you have to, you know, it's like through school. So you're supposed to be doing these things. Well, right. everything that they learn in China is about America. So we went in to do Chinese um, studies, right? You know, they have courses. So there's language history, all these things. Well, what they're learning is what kind of cars do we drive? Um, How do our roads work? How do our politics work? How does our society work? What is the socialism? Our slang terms. So I'm like, why am I relearning English? And they're like, this is what we study. And I was like, yeah, but these are, this is all, it's literally everything about our American culture, all of it. I mean, down, down to the detail. And they said, yes, this is what we study. We study you. And they said, but what about Chinese culture? They said, no, no. We
3: have,
2: they have the, um, oh, what do they
0: call it? They have well, the opera. But. See, see and, and what I would tell you about that is that, that that just sounds more like propaganda to me. Japan has a very robust history of going into China and just tearing everything up. And, I mean, right. while they, if they're out there, I mean, they did that in 1931. They went and invaded Manchuria and just, I mean, just devastated. I know. And uh, so, and if they want to sit out there and say, well, we'll never allow that to happen again to where America attacks anybody, well, Japan has been a historical enemy of China. So, I know. Yeah, I know. Mean, we
2: went over that. Yeah. We went over it, and they said it doesn't matter because the American, the, well, of course not. Right, They've the been, U.S. government took such an extreme. And I said, yeah, but I mean, they killed hundreds, you guys, and that was our thing. Japan has killed so many thousands upon thousands of their people. And not that China hasn't, but you know what I mean. And they said it doesn't matter. So I just wanted to bring this up again. And I know that there's a difference between propaganda, there's hearsay. But again, these things are now coming a little bit too close to home, right? There's a lot going on in the world today. So it's something that whoever is listening, please look into it. Please just be sure. You know what I mean? That's all.
0: Well, you know, Um, with China, they, they... Xi Jinping has got a real—like in China right now, they have, they have enough housing for 3 billion people, right? Yeah. But they only have 1.5 billion people in China. They their their economy is going north because they've spent so much money. They they've done all these things in foreign countries where they build out infrastructure and everything, and all of that's yeah. that's falling apart and everything. So a lot of the stuff that they do is is probably akin to what North Korea does as far as the propaganda with their citizens to where we're the great Satan and all this other stuff. And
2: yeah you know,
0: yeah, eh, it's you like know. A
2: history, you know. But I just to have it show up from their leader on the TV to be translated. I don't know. It's hard to see it as propaganda, but it could be. It could have been from their person just to say, hey, if this happens, well, this is what we're going to do again. you uh, know. Uh, but if the time comes, it would be nice to know if that's what we're up against, right? Because we're well, supposed to be allies. Them,
0: so. Well, I would I would think that we probably start still are I mean Japan is mobilizing against China right now as we speak. The South Koreans would not exist without us. They they would have already the North Koreans would have yeah. already come in and the Chinese would have been behind them. Yeah. So I I yeah. you know they can get out there saying something versus uh and when you're in China and you're hearing that kind of stuff have you ever heard that kind of stuff anywhere else?
2: So unfortunately I've only been able to visit China. I would love to visit other cultures. No, I'm really, just talking because about, we don't.
0: Yeah, but listen, just yeah. You, you you're you're thinking, Amber, and I like that. You're, you're using critical thinking here. So, to, do employ the critical thinking and in, inject a little Occam's razor into that, and just look at who is dependent on whom, and you'll figure it all out. You will. You're thinking. I appreciate
2: it. I unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, I know too much, too much <laughs> than the normal person, and that, that's the other thing. So let there, me let me ask you a question. Sure,
0: sure. All
2: right, Bill, because you've Served. You've been around for a while, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, a bit, yeah.
2: Okay. So we've every country monitors their civilians, one way or another, whether they tell you they do or they don't. Okay, this is just going to happen. You have to find a way to, to care for your country, to know what's going on, be happening. It is also technically an invasion of privacy to a degree, but it's been already happening. So my question is, why are we going through this argument? If they've already, if the government's already been, if this has already been in place, why is this news, quote unquote, why is everybody shocked and appalled? Well, and then mildly-
0: I'm going to answer that. I'm going to answer that. I'm running out of time, but I will answer that I'm for sorry. you. And uh, thank you for your call. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. And we're going to get into, uh, we're going to be joined, I think, next by Dr. Deborah Mandel. This is News Talk 98.9 W.O.R.D. G.S. Plumbing Talk line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. Joining me now is the author of uh, Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude. on. You can find it on Amazon, Dr. Deborah Mandel. Good. Happy New Year, Doc. Happy New Year. How are you? I'm doing good. I have a question for you, though. Okay. Now, when we look at recently we've had a, a – a, A uh, sort of a deluge of self identified transgender rampage killers or rampage killer wannabes, right? And uh, my biggest question is how prevalent is actual body dysphoria versus this just being a trendy thing that a bunch of people are jumping on the bandwagon for?
3: That's a great question. Let me tell you, I have to stay within my area of expertise. I understand. Body dysmorphia within the area of eating disorders, which I have an extensive amount of experience with. So how it crosses over to people actually wanting to become transgender and all of that is not my area. But it's a similar experience, right? Body dysmorphia is so prevalent, particularly in young women, although it has extended to men as well. Because I think our society is so overly focused on how we look, how we appear. We have these body ideals that we get inundated with. The advertising, even our own parents will say things like, you know, don't get fat or what's wrong with you or you're awkward. I know I had a bunch of that when I was a child and it was it was very challenging to grow up with a healthy body image.
0: So for the the ones that have truly have the mental illness, what should be done with them? Should they be coddled and allowed to? explore this or should they be treated i mean it seems to me given what's happening with them and that seems like there's a high incidence of uh, i've read a very high incidence of suicide once they completely transition shouldn't we be trying to just get them past that
3: there's multiple theories about what's the best approach to people with what some would call a disorder and some would just simply call someone identifying with that's something that's been there all along uh you know we look back historically we identified homosexuality as a disorder and over time we decided that hey this is a biological experience this is not something that we can change by changing a cultural experience or a family experience or even through therapy so again that it's that area of mental health is outside of my expertise but i would say you know using some parallels things we have to be careful about what we label as a disorder and something that we have to really try to embrace maybe the change in our understanding of the mental condition and our our emotional well-being and all along the path we have discovered new things that we find to be disorders and other things that we take out of the category of disorders so I'm not sure if I'm I don't want to be skirting around your question, but again, I don't feel like I'm competent to completely answer that question. I know that it is a sore spot for many people because it is something that people were taught to believe that that's just wrong. That's something wrong with that person. But then that becomes this whole shaming experience. So I don't really know entirely what goes on in the minds. I've not worked with any transgender people, so I can't really speak to that Some would have called it a fetish years back. Some would have called it uh, a version of homosexuality. So it's a very confused topic. And I I understand that the acclimation to something in a society is very slow, very tedious. There's a, a lot of resistance. And sometimes maybe we do ask people to acclimate in the direction that we then find out later we went too far in one direction. That's that pendulum swing. So a lot of times in our learning curve, what we are realizing is that we have to push all the way on one side, before we find some middle ground that really makes sense.
0: So I guess my question would be if with the, the, the big push into accepting this as an actual viable lifestyle and a viable mindset, since it is being accepted in so many ways, in weird ways in fact, why would these people still be unhappy enough to where they would get out and actually go on the attack physically?
3: Uh, revise your question to me a little bit who who are you talking about going
0: well on so dark? so the trans we, we we've had a lot of transgender people that seem to want to re uh, resort to violence in some cases rampage killings for example most of the time that they, they they all have a mental health component built into them but here lately in the last 365 days that seems to have multiplied with people that identify as transgender, gender fluid, this, that, or the other, all of these new alphabet ideologies they've they've imposed, which probably don't have nearly as many things to do with actually treating them as it does with just what's going on with them, as far as I can tell, but I don't know.
3: Well, I would say in in these situations, we want to treat the violence. We want to treat the rage. We want to treat what's underlying that. human beings are human beings. We all have the capacity to... Go to the to the deep end. I mean, we've see, see these rampage killings uh, in all sorts of ways. We have hate crimes. We have anti-Semitic crimes. We have all kinds of situations that are occurring. And the problem, I think, is more less about the the actual identification somebody has, and more so with what is going on underneath. What what are the emotional issues that haven't been resolved? Does this person feel persecuted their whole lives? People who feel persecuted will often. Stay in victim mode, but sometimes in victim mode, people will become perpetrators. Right. And so it's it's a really important phenomenon that we need to pay attention to in all aspects, like this recent Iowa the shooting at the Iowa school. My goodness, I mean, we don't even know what's going on in in that shooter's mind. I I doubt he was a transgender. I'm not certain. Uh, But I think, again, violence is, is an endemic Maybe it's a pandemic in our in our world and something that we really have to pay attention to, that what are we doing as a culture that feeds that? And I believe that that has a lot to do with shaming people, alienating people, isolating people, poor relationships, untreated mental illness, all these things, uh, certain economic, uh, socioeconomic status will influence that, education. Those are all factors we have to pay right. attention to when we're right. trying to address these situations. So I don't I tend to not lock in on one specific.
0: Well, yeah, uh, I get that. Someone, it, it, right? A lot of it has to do with the perception of the person that is being violent, right? They they feel like everybody's against them. They feel like everybody's going to come after them. They feel like there's going to be violence perpetrated on them. That plays into it, doesn't it?
3: That is so key. What you just said, I know, mean, underline that completely. It is our perception And then our interpretation of our perception yields our emotions and it's through those emotions that some people have the capacity to contain those emotions and they have good outlets and coping mechanisms and other people don't. So they resort to acting out behavior, self-destructive or other destructive. So that's key. The observation of what's in front of us. So if somebody says to you, Hey, you know, you don't really look good in that shirt today and you interpret that to mean that that person says you're ugly and then you feel bad about ah. yourself and then you get angry. Yeah. And then you laugh out and you say, Well, you look like dog poop.
0: <laughs> ah. Oh no. <laughs> Not that. Listen, Doc, I'm about to run out of time. Her Dr. Deborah's new book is Sassy and Rude, Her New Attitude. She is my official attitude. She is my official advice and she's my official mental health guru of straight talk. Thank you for joining me this morning.
3: You are so welcome. Thank you.
0: Yes, ma'am. When we get back, I'm going to ask the question about what's coming across the border that I haven't seen anybody else ask. This is News Talk 98.9 W O R D. I'm going to lay upon you the leprechaun logistic theory of what's happening on our southern border right now today. G.S. Plumbing Talk Line is 1-800-905-0989. The Common Sense Retirement Planning Text Line is 71307. Have you ever asked yourself how these hordes of clean, fed people with shoes that look both in really good shape and fit really well and they're very comfortable how they spontaneously appear on our on our southern border without a backpack stick with me on this one now when i was in the military i had a i had an armored vehicle to, that i could load stuff into i had my rucksack i could load stuff into i also took a a a duffel bag full of stuff and i would just be going off post now, I, I would be living off of whatever I had and whatever the logistics train brought with it, which was probably a whole bunch, but I had a lot of stuff with me. And this was just to go off post and, and train. Wouldn't you think that if you're going to make a 1,300-mile trek from the south to the north and on the entirety of, that, of the Mexican country, how would you do it without a backpack? How do I mean we send kit I mean when I go out every day I have a pack of some kind with me just in case. And it's full of a bunch of stuff I'm probably never ever going to use. And yet <laughs> we have hundreds of thousands of people hitting our 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 border like it's like it's the way you know the tide coming in and we're supposed to to believe right that they have They've gone out there and John Ramboed the whole way and they don't have any supplies with them and they look great clean, well kept um where's this coming from? Is this organic? Who or who's organizing these people? Where are they getting water and food and support from them for them? Who arranges and distributes this? Go, go to this enabler contact list that they're given, and then carry with them so they know with whom to connect when they step off free pass buses and gratuitously ticketed airplanes. And who recruits and coordinates and supports these enablers named on these contact lists located in cities across America who connect the invaders with free to them services and unending support. I mean, it's one thing for me to sit back and go, well, obviously Joe Biden has opened up the the border and it's all wide open and they're all coming through. There's a lot more to it than that. You got to get to it first. Now, where are the Chinese guys coming from? (laughs) Where are these tens of thousands of Chinese guys coming from? Are they coming to the, to the Mexican southern border and walking the 1,300 miles across and then coming across our border too? Where, where are they coming from? Where are the Guatemalans? Where are the Africans? Where are the Middle Eastern people coming from? We need to take a really serious look. at the, This is a logistical piece of work that they've got going on right here. And uh, the media will tell you That on their way here, they had to, you know, they were swinging on vines and harrowing circumstances and that, you know, but then they get here and they look pretty fresh and they're very clean. I mean, when I would go into the field in the military in, in Europe, I would come back looking like I'd rolled around in the mud and I would love to know this very neat trick of carrying nothing with you and keeping yourself and your clothes clean, your body hydrated and nourished. Please somebody tell me this because uh, I myself would like to give up this whole going and, you know, having to resupply all the time. But to hear the mainstream media tell it, it's just all happening. There's nothing hidden here. And this non-explanation is not believable at all for me. The big lie lives in all of this and the big liars are the journalists who don't do their jobs and the politicians who've been doing a job on us through a full spell of this invasion. Then there's the remittances, right? We keep getting told <laughs> we keep getting told that they're getting paid less than than minimum wage. And yet the average Mexican is sending back to Mexico $390 a month. That's 55.9 billion dollars in 2022. And we pay $451 billion to care for them. So we're just, uh, you know, I know, you know, all of that made possible by all the subsidies that they get. I get it. I understand it. So right now we have a lot of confusion going on and self-doubt for the trusting people, people that trust themselves here, you know, and that's all the aim of gaslighting. But, you know, when you think about, four other, op- four other uh, types of uh, psychological operations, the Soviet Union, the Nazis, North Korea, and China, and you look at the way they've been told things about themselves and the way they should see the world, then you begin to understand how this big logistical operation could occur, and we just don't even know about it. So I'll be talking to you guys on Monday. And you are listening to News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.